Frank Lloyd Wright said that television is chewing gum for the eyes, whilst Anne Landers observed that television has proved that people will look at anything rather than each other. On the next two episodes of the History of Advertising podcast, we are looking at the rise of commercial television, how it came into being as a medium, and the effect that it had on the world of advertising. Brian Palmer wrote the first TV ad ever to run in the UK. Here, he reflects on why he was so excited by television at the time. It was and probably is the greatest selling medium there's ever been, where you could actually, for the first time, see how a washing machine would work. You could, particularly good for appliances and things like that, you could actually demonstrate things in action. You could show that a Timex watch was waterproof because you could put it under water and uh, you were in people's living room. Mind you, you were with an ad too in a woman's magazine, but it wasn't quite the same. I mean, you were, you were talking to them directly. Although the BBC had been dabbling in TV since 1936, television did not immediately take off in the UK. Television in general in this country was very slow to take off because it was just the BBC the apparatus was quite expensive and people used to go to one another's houses to watch television. Come, We've got a telly, come round to our house and watch TV. I think the catalyst in terms of social uh, acceptance was the coronation in 1953. The coronation of Queen Elizabeth II on the 2nd of June 1953 was 14 months in the making, and it was the first significant world event to be broadcast internationally on TV. Then Prime Minister Winston Churchill had advised against the presence of television cameras, but millions of Britons watched it live on the BBC, with many having brought TV sets specially for the occasion. Well, not only did everybody who knew anybody with the television go and crowd round it because you could see it as it happened. Uh, but I think then people thought, oh, it would be nice to have one of these, wouldn't it? Um, and so they got, uh, well, in those days, BBC televisions. There have been studies done with television and air conditioners and things like that that show once one person in a road gets it, uh, it sort of spreads like an infection down the road. Now, commercial TV is so ubiquitous that it's difficult to imagine life without it. But when the ad was first broadcast in 1955, it came against staunch opposition from many who were opposed to the notion of being sold products through their television sets. Labour MP John Wilmot was a particularly fierce critic. He warned the comments that the nightly poison of advertising which boosts the sale of goods to the working class is against the national interest. Whilst obviously in favour of commercial TV, Brian agrees that it did promote more aspirational behaviour. However, unlike John Wilmot, he believes this to be a good thing. It did indeed make people want things. I mean, there used to be a, a, a joke among manufacturers, you know, put a penny on the price and put it on television if you want to sell something, because it really did have an effect on people's lives. And it really, I think, brought about the growth of all the appliances we use today, like washing machines, dishwashers and so on, into the popular market from being rather unattainable luxuries. Uh, so I think it was tremendously important. Also, it, commercial television was much more in touch with the ordinary people 
than the BBC had been. And um, that suited the advertisers fine because there are more ordinary people than there are posh people. The Television Act, passed in 1954, led to the creation of ITV, the first commercial TV network in the UK. This gave UK ad agencies about a year to prepare. However, there were very few people who thought that it would prove successful. Here, Jeremy Bullmore, former head of television at ad agency JWT, explains how commercial television was perceived as being distinctly un-British. A lot of agencies thought it, it was going to be a flash in the pan. It wouldn't last. They didn't think that the British people would tolerate vulgar commercials in their lovely living rooms. Vice Chairman of Ogilvy UK and behavioural science expert Rory Sutherland agrees. The thing called commercial television, it was greeted as if it was, look, this might, you know, maybe it'll you know, be a small kind of complementary addition to advertising in the press, but it's not a really serious thing. And of course, it's worth remembering that there's always a group of people whose status uh, sits in the status quo, and so who it's not in their interest for anything new to become successful, because they have to now re-establish their credentials all over again. So, given that commercial TV was not exactly seen as the mightiest of new mediums, how did ad agencies spend that year preparing for its introduction? Here, Jeremy explains how it was pointless trying to learn about television from other mediums. Before television arrived in 55, um, mass market advertising, by which I mean everyday staples, repeat purchase products, um, were heavily reliant on women's magazines, which were hugely popular and sold in their millions. And so colour, full-page colour in women's magazines were, were a major medium. Um, colour supplements hadn't yet come in, so it was only in magazines. And there was cinema advertising. Pearl and Dean were still with their up-and-running um, but there was little you could learn about television from film advertising. Nobody, nobody um, really knew much. Brian agrees that there was no consensus in the industry about how television should be approached. If you're an aircraft engineer, you know that a bumblebee can't fly because its body is too big for its wings. And the bumblebee doesn't know this, so it goes ahead and flies anyway. <laughs> Um, you know, we didn't know what you could or you couldn't do, so we just went ahead and did it. I mean, we knew we had 60 seconds or 30 seconds to fill with an advertisement, and some people thought you had to be entertaining, some people thought you had to be factual, some people thought that you had to have people from Hollywood, some people thought you could teach advertising people how to make commercials. Nobody knew what to do, so we just went ahead and did it. Some people in the industry assumed that they could look to America to find the answer to the riddle of commercial TV, given that they had been doing it for longer than us Brits. After all, the first TV commercial in the US had been broadcast 15 years earlier, on the 1st of July 1941. It was for New York-based watch company Belova, in case you were interested. However, here Rory explains why the US didn't have the answers. Oddly, the Americans weren't that advanced either. We always assumed that the Americans were into tons and tons of channels and TV advertising, but actually they were late to the party as well. So you had the whole idea of this programme is brought to you by X. Um, 
Now, given that TV, you know, given that press ads didn't do that, it's not entirely clear why they did that on TV, but possibly they just had no clue what to do. Jeremy also found that the Americans were in a similar state of cluelessness at the time when commercial TV began to truly kick off. In the States, the great majority of television advertising was sponsorship. You had the anchor man who would finish the program and say, and now a word from our sponsors, and it would be live and laborious and almost entirely without any kind of what, what we would call creative element. A lot of holding up and packs and looking and pointing. So there, was, there wasn't much you could learn. I, I was sent off to the States in 58 for, th for some weeks to pick up, to learn more. And I, I have to say, well, I, I had a terrifically good time there and was well looked after. I didn't learn much because already we were beginning to perfect the spot commercial in a way that the US was only just beginning to do as well. So we were kind of neck and neck. So, where did the ad industry in the UK find its answers? Join us on the next episode where we'll look at the first TV commercials broadcast in the UK and how the TV commercial industry rapidly evolved to make the most of this exciting new medium. Meanwhile, if you are interested in how the rise of the internet affected Adland, visit the History of Advertising Trust on patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com today, where you can access an exclusive episode covering off this very topic. The History of Advertising podcast was presented by Jack Maggot Phillips and featured contributions from Brian Palmer, Jeremy Bullmore and Rory Sutherland. The programme was produced by Jane Jarvis and Jack Maggot Phillips. To find out more about the adverts featured on this programme, please go to hatads.org.uk.